I think also around the ego side, friends and family come into this, right? Yes. So like you, you alone are like, okay, like I've got this really good job and I've been put on a pedestal and um, that's how people identify with me, right? As you said, and you know, I go to my parents and I'm like, cool, I'm going to leave this really good job because I want to be a fitness instructor or I want to try to do something. Now, I don't think family and friends will ever stop you, but I think even just your thoughts of their opinions of you changing, like, are they now going to think I'm worthless? Are they now going to think I'm not good enough to have made it in this job as well? Because that definitely went through my mind of like, can I just not cut it? Like, because it's almost the the shiny new star to reach for a corporate job. So like, am I the one who's like, am I failing here? Welcome to the Female Leadership Collective podcast. I'm your host, Susie Clark. On the show, we're all about helping high-achieving women authentically find purpose and build fulfilling careers. I believe that the key to happiness is channeling our talents into something we really deeply care about. That's why I left my six-figure banking job in London, moved to Asia, and now run my own mission-led business in paradise. I found purpose and happiness in my life, and I want to empower you to do the same. On this show, we talk all things leadership, career, entrepreneurship, mindset, femininity, anything and everything high achieving women go through on this journey of finding purpose in life. I'm so, so excited for my first guest. She's amazing. She's inspirational and I can't wait to share her story. Her name is Emily Majuri. I met her in Bali and she's now one of my Bali family, one of my closest friends here. And this episode is all about money. So Emily qualified as an accountant with PwC in London and worked her way up the corporate ladder until she realized that working for someone else just like really wasn't for her. Uh, She decided to go out on her own with her friend, Abby, who she also met at PwC. And they, when they were deciding what they wanted to do, they looked around and they didn't see any women in the twenties running accountancy firms. So they thought, well, we need to enter this space. So they started their own called the Arenda Collective. And they now serve other female entrepreneurs, mainly in the wellness space. Emily is so much happier and more fulfilled by the work that she's doing now. And she splits her time between the UK and Bali. And this episode, we really focus on money. So it's such a big fear when people are thinking about leaving high paid sectors like financial services that when am I ever going to make that level of money again? Um, How am I going to support myself when I leave? What am I going to do? And as it's such a big fear, it's something that I just wanted to talk about because people don't really talk much about money. It's such a shoved up under the carpet kind of subject. And I thought Emily is the expert. She's an accountant. She's seen all sorts of financial strategies that her clients have used to transition out of corporate and into their own businesses. And I got her to chat through all the different strategies and income models that you yourself can consider in your own escape plan. I know that you'll find the chat so insightful and inspirational and useful. So let's jump into it. To set the scene for everyone, it's probably best for us to go into a little bit of a summary of what you used to do before, what you're doing now, and then we can kind of dive into it in a bit more detail. So let's, should we start start there? Perfect. Okay, so um, I did the normal thing that everyone does, school, uni, and then I went to work as an accountant auditor at PwC, and I was there for about six to seven years. Decided it wasn't really what I wanted to do, so I went traveling for six months, as, as everybody does, to try and find myself. No, I don't think you necessarily find yourself, but you definitely get some perspective. And then um, I went back to work, slowly transitioned to become a fitness instructor and personal trainer, then set up my own accounting firm, moved to Bali, and here we are today. Amazing. <laughs> like, there's so much packed into that, so I'm really excited to go into it in a bit more detail. Let's go back to PwC. Like, how long were you there? Was it something you always wanted to do? Talk us through that journey of eventually kind of realizing that this perhaps wasn't for you. Because I know for me, like when I got my uh, banking grad job, I was very like, wow, this is amazing. And then quickly decided, oh shit, this just isn't for me. So 
maybe if you could share what happened then for you. Yeah. So um, it definitely wasn't a job that I'd grown up thinking, oh, I'm going to be an accountant. I'm going to go and work at PwC. No. 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 And I actually ended up going, uh, applying for English at uni and then not getting in because I didn't get an A in my English A-level. And so I ended up kind of looking through clearing starting again of what should I study ended up studying accounting and finance because maths was always my strongest subject um and then just got the job through that you had to do a placement year mm-hmm. so I had to work for a year ended up getting the job at PwC it's a really good job so I thought wow amazing I'm in corporate job <laughs> I hated it had to sit quite a few exams in that placement year um at that point I was in half qualified so when I finished uni I already had the job so it seems like the simplest and easiest route and I had done seven of the 15 exams so at that point thought might as well go back and get qualified even if I just do three years you have to do three years if, if anyone doesn't know um and then kind of leave from there ended up being there a little bit longer about six years because I transitioned out of audit into I audited insurance companies, so I ended up in insurance regulatory, which sounds really interesting. (laughs) And again, it just wasn't for me, it didn't feel like the right fit for my personality and kind of what I like to do day to day. But it was definitely a great place to learn a lot of things about myself to grow as a person and gain confidence. Um, So yeah, I finished my qualification and then took six months out to travel um mainly just because I think at that point you've been working so hard you're working like 12 14 hour days sitting exams it's very intense so I needed some time to think Mm. um and at that point was when I transitioned jobs mainly I transitioned to that job because it was less time consuming the hours were a bit more consistent so I could then have a bit of time uh, after that to work on whatever else I wanted to do um yeah I think I just got stressed I wasn't the best person. I wasn't the best uh, family member, friend. So I just decided that there was something else out there for me. What did you discover about, like, what was it about, not necessarily PwC, but like, let's say corporate job, office job. Like, what was it about it that just wasn't aligning with you? And like, how did you actually feel? What was like the real feelings where you were like, yeah, this doesn't, this isn't right that I'm feeling like this. Yeah. I think when you start working a place like that, you feel very like valued and they sell, they almost sell you the dream. Over time you realize you're just a number. Even though I always had great colleagues, like I was very lucky on my teams. I know some people had even worse experiences than me, Um, but you are just a number. You're just trying to do uh, work so that the partners can make money. I think I was at a point where I just felt anxious going to work quite Mm. a lot, mainly because I didn't feel like I was doing a good job. um, I didn't really want to be there. So then that stresses you out. Um, And you're living for the weekend, right? You go to work Monday through Friday. I had to work away a lot. So I had to live in hotels, not necessarily in exciting places either. They were like uh, somewhere called Kingswood, which is in Surrey, which is in the middle of nowhere. Um, And whilst that was a cool experience, it got uh, very boring very quickly. Stressed, anxious, uh, trapped, felt very trapped because you've got to be somewhere nine till whatever time your boss tells you you can leave. Um, and it stopped me from being able to do the things I wanted to do outside of work. Like I looked, I lived in London, which is a great place. And I looked at joining a musical theatre group. So I used to do that, but I could never commit to anything because I never knew if I was going to make it. Yeah. Um, so yeah, anxious, trapped, stressed mm. would probably be my top. top yeah, three. like that's kind of taking you back. Because I'm <laughs> feeling those things as well. I remember for me, it was like, okay, fine. I'm feeling these things. I know it's not right, but like, what else is there for me? Because I was quite an academic at school, like anything other than a corporate job just almost felt like that's just not what I'm supposed to do. You know, like people have always told me I was going to go on this path. So did you feel like you knew what else was out there for you? Like, did you, were you just like, oh God, this isn't working? That's kind of scary that what am I going to do? Or do I just need to suck it up? Like, how did you feel at that point? Yeah, definitely all of those things went through my mind. And I think, I think I'd started reading some personal development books at this point, because I think that those sorts of things change your mindset. And I kind of sat down and thought, I either kind of risk leaving and try something that I may or may not be good at. And at the end of the day, you can always get another accounting job or something mm-hmm. similar. Um, or I just stay here stuck and never know like what's on the other side of life. Like there's so much more to life. Um, I was lucky in that I was very passionate and still am very passionate about fitness. 
So in terms of like, yeah, it's scary. What? There's so many things in the world. There's so many jobs I don't even know exist now, right? So there's so many things I could have done. Um, but that was the one thing I was passionate about. So I just decided I'll keep my job. I'll stay full time, but I'll learn how to become a fitness instructor and personal trainer alongside and see if it's for me. Mm. And then if it is for me, then, you know, that might evolve into something else. Um, but I mean, it might be harder for some to find that answer, but I think you just have to think about your personality, what you think you might be well matched to, what you enjoy doing, like what would your ideal life look like? And then try a few things. Yeah. And see if any of those resonate with you. Yeah, such good advice. Instead of your grades becoming your identity, like you, if you've been academic the whole way through, you've always got good grades and that's been your measure, hasn't it, of success. And then when you go and work these corporate jobs, it then turns into the salary, doesn't it? Yeah. It becomes your measure. And I think for me, it took me a while to sort of... Um, to sort of admit to myself that, oh, maybe becoming a yoga teacher or something like that is worthwhile because I almost had a bit of ego and like maybe stuck upness around it that like I was worth this banking salary actually. Like how on earth would I make that as a yoga teacher? Yeah, I might enjoy it, but like I'm selling myself short. Like, did you feel like that? How did you kind of overcome that? Because that can like really hold you back if if you tie yourself to that level if that makes sense. Yeah, definitely. And talking about ego, that definitely comes into it, right? I'd, I'd made manager and I was on a fairly good salary. And at that point, you're like, if I want to do this thing I'm passionate about, I'm probably going to be earning half yeah. of what I'm earning right now. Um, and so I think that definitely kept me in, in PwC longer than I probably wanted to be there because you also think, am I being stupid? Like, why would I turn away like this big salary and potential for it to like exponentially grow? to do something that I might not be good at or that might not work out. Um, So I definitely went through that. And I think that definitely will hold a lot of people in a job longer. Um, I'm lucky in that my sister, one of my sisters had kind of paved her own way. Uh, She went to uni and she traveled a bit, but then she became a personal trainer and never really earned that much money. Um, She was still living with my parents at the time, but she was always happy. Like her days were set up how she wanted to set up. And I was like, okay, she can do this and not earn that much money, I can at least try it. And also I think when you are starting something new, you I just kind of said to myself, right, for the next two, three years, you might be poor. Like you may yeah. not be able to have like the life you've been able to have. However, you then have the ability to grow your business to anything, to any amount. Like, yes. the, like you're in a corporate job, you are going to get stuck at some point. Like you might get to partner and make a lot of money. But I do think that, you if you have the opportunity to run your own business like it could grow into anything you never know what might snowball yeah um but I think it took me a while to come to those realizations and again it was a lot of personal development I had a coach for a while so I think those sorts of things come with time um and the more you kind of sit journal think about yeah it's so true it's that mindset flip of so many people always would say to me like oh I wish I, I want to quit banking but you can't make as much money anywhere else as banking but it's like actually if you flip that and yeah okay you could use that as your ceiling but also you're also limited by what someone's going to pay you and yeah. if you have your own business then it's kind of infinite potentially it could be bad could yeah. be good so you never know what sort of ideas you might come up with yeah. and like with all of the new companies and things that come out and so much is online now like you could snowball into anything yeah and I think there's two things major things that I picked up on with what you're saying is one is the mindset stuff the personal growth stuff which gives you perspective and allows you to ask yourself questions that you've never asked before like what do I really want to do and there's a blank sheet in front of you which I think is so important because lots of us have never really I mean that changes over time and it's like we may have asked ourselves that at 17 but like okay have we asked ourselves that since <laughs> it's like that could change yeah and I also think if we ask ourselves at 17 the options are you go to uni, yeah. you go and do like a vocational job or you go straight out and start in business. And I think there's lots of different options, but they're still limited. Like yeah. I feel like our parents' generation was like, you become a policeman or yeah. you become a nurse or an accountant. Like they were the limits. Um, I, I think that these sorts of things should be start to be taught in schools, yeah. like mindset. Because I just think that we are kind of built um, as a human in like a, vacuum like you're told that these are the things you can do and then we don't see the widespread world outside yeah like you need these tools that you when you know you're feeling stuck that you can then apply and go oh 
let's figure this out because it's always changing you might enjoy something one day and then not the next yeah um and then the second thing I was picking up on is the fact that your sister was such a role model for you because I and this is the reason why I've created this podcast because I feel like there's a lack of role models for people because you can't see anyone that's actually successfully gone and done it so that's scary you know but there's loads of people who have businesses that probably came from similar background but you just never know that so I think that sounds you know that's that I'm not surprised that that like gave you a bit of confidence because you actually saw someone that had done it already yeah and I think reading not necessarily personal development books but reading books from people who have come from nothing and started businesses as well can be super helpful because they're like I went to uni and I got a good education right I have a, a higher level um accountancy and some people don't even pass college and they've got billion dollar businesses yeah. so I think there's obviously a transition into believing in yourself and believing what you do yeah I totally totally agree with that okay let's jump back to the timeline then and at that point you were so you took this new job you had more time you were starting to read some personal growth stuff like what happened then yeah so I was working my job full-time um and I did my personal training and fitness instructor course and I was reaching out to like loads of gyms across London because there are so many, but the expectation is that you've already taught, you've already got experience. It's actually crazy how hard it can be to find a job. Mm. Um, I managed to find a studio that took pity on me and she took me in and she taught me how to uh, ride, so spin. Um, And I just kind of like fell in love with doing that. Um, I also think I went to a lot of gyms around London to test out and meet people. Like I think networking was a huge help to me in this time, this transition period of about two years. I continued to teach and grow um, my fitness instructing. And that side of my life became a lot more enjoyable. Like it didn't feel like work, even though I was having to do it every evening after work and on Sunday, Sunday mornings I used to teach five classes back to back, but it didn't, but it didn't feel like work, you know? Um, So I eventually asked the question at work, whether I could take a part-time job at PwC. Now at this point I was, if you when you start you kind of go into an associate level then a senior associate level and I was at the level like where I was just on the cusp of becoming manager and um, no one at that level works part-time like it's mm-hmm. just not heard of but I kind of thought I may as well ask the question the worst thing they can say is no and then I then have to make the decision as to whether I just take the risk and leave or I keep doing these two jobs alongside each other until I feel I've got enough money they said yes so so yeah I was so lucky I was able to go part-time and got promoted to manager at the same time um wow but no yeah the point I want to highlight here though is like you have to ask for things you have Mm -hmm. to take opportunities and I think a lot of us are a bit afraid and I was definitely before this point very afraid of asking questions um but these people are just humans like they seem we put them on a pedestal when we're in these corporations but actually they're just humans who have families at home who also just want the best for you so I think like if you're ever scared of art like asking don't be scared ask the worst thing is no and then you make a decision based on that um so then I built up more of my uh, teaching carried on working part-time at the same time I had a friend who I'd gone to school with and she followed the same route as me although she'd gone straight into work instead of PwC and we'd sit sat exams at the same time qualified around the same time um and she'd also traveled we decided we would like to work for ourselves. Um, so we were kind of thinking what sort of business we can run. We don't love accounting, like that's not what we want to do. So we took some courses in like marketing and social media because at that point that like growth in working with social media for brands was like a big thing. But we realized it was going to be a long way off for us to kind of make any money or do anything with it, mainly because we just didn't have the right skills. So we decided to set up an accounting firm, which is also quite unheard of for two females at the age of like 26. Like that doesn't really happen. But we saw a gap in the market in that I think a lot of accounting firms out there are still old white men. Like it's it's evolving and and is changing, but there's still, especially in the small ones, they are still like that. And we wanted to work to enable women to feel confident in running businesses and understanding their finances, I think. Well, there's a lot of stats that back this up, but um, women just won't set up businesses because they're too afraid. And then even if they do, they don't really understand what's going on money-wise. So then in terms of how they grow and how they pay themselves and things like that, they just don't understand. Um, so at this point, I was teaching, still working at Privacy and setting up this business. So that was busy. Um, and then COVID hit. So all of this was kind of 
uh, evolving to a point at which I wanted to travel and work, which was why the accounting firm was important because teaching can't always be done like virtually. However, COVID helped that. Everything became online, mm-hmm. um, but it did prevent the travel part. So we ended up spending like a year in lockdown building the business. I was teaching online and still working for PwC um, until a point where I couldn't continue to do as much work as possible. We needed to take a risk on making sure the business would grow and I'd earn enough money at this point to be able to just have my fitness instructing. Mm-hmm. Definitely was like a third of the wage I was earning at PwC, but it was enough to live on. Um, so yeah, about November 2020, I must. I left PwC and went split teaching, split accountancy firm, and I'm still doing that now. But I'm now doing it well. Amazing. <laughs> that was a lot to take in. So. No, I love <laughs> that. I have like a couple of questions. I'm going to dot back to what you were yeah, saying. Um, I think it's like really inspiring to hear that journey, and like I love to go exactly into the process of what happened as well. So there are a couple of things that I wanted to just ask you. So initially, way back when you were saying you were trying to find a job in a a fitness studio, I found this when initially when I was trying to like apply for completely different jobs, like back in the entry level. I think this, I had a stint as a yoga teacher, right? I thought that I would like that because you try things out and in the end, that's not me, but you know. And back in the day, I was trying to get yoga teacher jobs and I felt I felt almost like this awkwardness of my CV, right? So there, even yoga teachers, places, yoga studios, oh, have you got a CV? And it's like, my CV says like <laughs> economics and finance, JP Morgan for like, and they're like, why Why do you want to do this? Like, and it's almost like, I felt almost embarrassed with my <laughs> CV because yeah, the, to most people that experience is impressive, but like it's not relevant for a yoga teacher. I have no yoga experience. So it's kind of like I had almost felt like I was at a disadvantage to another yoga teacher. So just going back to when you said you struggled to find a studio, like what do you think, how did you position yourself for these jobs? Like did you have a similar problem? And how did you explain why you wanted the job? Because I also found some people were a bit skeptical. They were like, why do you want this, you know? So like any tips for anyone who's trying to do the same thing in something completely different with the backgrounds that we had? Yeah, so I actually created a second CV that was just a fitness CV. I mean, it was very empty. And I I think whenever I applied, I sent both my CVs. So I said, you know, this is all the experience I actually have in life. And this is my fitness experience, which was, was minimal, but I kind of made it, I guess, a little bit more, pretty would be the right word and um, so like a nice picture of myself I had a photo shoot so like a fitness photo shoot so I could put that on there it looks professional um so what you can apply that to anything you want to do like maybe having your picture at like a headshot or whatever it would be but have it applicable to whatever job you're applying to and then I broke down like the different qualifications like, like you would have had your yoga qualification I was like personal training level mm-hmm. three uh, fitness instructing level and then just you have to put on any like experience you have had in teaching, even if it is like <laughs> I taught my friends, like just yeah. but you can you can word it in a way that you're not lying, but you're just kind of saying that this is the experience I've had. Um, and so I think that helped. Some of them would just wouldn't look at you if you hadn't had like two years' experience, mm-hmm. but then so someone eventually has to take take you on, someone that's like a smaller studio. Um, I think in terms of how I sold myself to them, I guess, first of all, you got to get in front of them. So having like that second CV, I think helped. Um, I think it's just talking about it in like passion and telling them my story. Like, this is where I've come from. This is why I've decided, like, I'm making this jump because I want to be happier and I'm passionate about this. And I think just being honest and telling the truth is the way is the way that people either resonate with you or they won't. And then if, especially studios in London, and some of them are horrible, and I, I think the attitudes are sometimes a bit, like there's a lot of like kind of acting professionals and thing in there. And it's, mm. it is a little bit of a show sometimes. So there was some I wouldn't have wanted to work at. Mm. It's one of those things that it's worth thinking about how you're going to explain it because it's really weird one, isn't it? Um, okay, and then the other one I was going to ask is what do you think it was in the way that you positioned working part-time to your managers that, like, what do you think that it was that made them say yes, particularly as no, you said no one else really worked part-time. So any tips for anyone that's trying to do that too? 
Yeah. I, at PwC, I definitely wasn't the most technical person, but I was above average at my job, let's say. So, like, you get graded, and um, I was always, like, a two, and it's one to five. So I was always in that top part. I wasn't technical enough, probably, to make it to a one, but I always did lots of extra stuff. So I uh, helped with, like, the well-being within the team. Like, I set up a group and, like, ran monthly workshops. Um, I always went to kind of any volunteering days and things like that. And I think that just builds you, like, a strong network. And I think people like people who are real and, like, they forget to know you as a person as well as good at your job, then they're more likely to want to keep you around. So I think positioning, um, you know, I'll still work here. I'll do as much as I can in these three days. They didn't want to lose me because I built like a, yeah. a reputation. And I was lucky in that. So I audited um, legal in general, big insurance company for years. And they then had like a transition phase. And in the insurance regulatory team that I'd moved into, they needed someone to work on it. I happen to have experience in that business and um, that it was mainly being done within the company, but they needed like one or two people from PwC and they were happy to take me at three days a week. Mm. So it kind of aligned time-wise as well. But if I hadn't taken the opportunity, then we may not have seen that arise. So I think um, just going with strong arguments as to why you can still do a good job and like, I think I just explained the story of I want to try something else. Like I'm still quite young, don't have a mortgage at this moment in time and things like that. Like I feel like it's something I need to do was what how I worded it to the partner. And I think he just resonated with that. And I, I think there's lots of people there probably sitting thinking, I wish I'd tried other things mm. at that time. Um, so, yeah. I'll yeah, it sounds, it sounds like you mean it's like trying to make yourself sticky to the organization like they need you for specific reasons and a good way of doing that is getting involved in all the extra things and then also maybe even on like a spiritual side of it like by you taking the risk and asking the question it's like the universe rewards you with this um what's the company called legal legal in general with with them yeah that, that being an opportunity so like I think I think that's really good advice. Um, okay, so back to like starting the accounting firm. And I, I want to make a point on this as well. It's like, it's funny how you said, oh, you both didn't want to do accounting because like, you've already been doing that. But actually, I don't know if this is similar with you, but one of the things that didn't work for me at JP Morgan was like my clients were banks. So it was just not that interesting to me. But when, like, and your clients were insurers, but when you think about your clients then suddenly becoming female business owners no matter what it's just because it was accounting that then suddenly makes it like way more interesting right like what does that helpful for you yeah definitely and we so I've done quite a lot in the well-being space um and Abby's very into kind of like photography and media so we actually niched our business down to work with people within the well-being and the creative space we have a few clients outside of that but we generally work with women a few men in that space um, and when you're working with a business who's uh you're passionate about their business as well um it kind of takes away i guess some of the dullness of accounting but every business needs their finances to be sorted out like if you haven't got money you can't run a business yeah so always just taking myself back to that and thinking like okay i'm interested in this business i want to see it survive how can we help these female business owners uh, kind of create the best of their ideas so we, it was a bit of a risk to say we're only going to work with these types of clients. But actually, I think you then kind of have a network of people. Um, so they tell their friends who tell their friends yeah. who, um, who work. And we set the business up. We called it the Arenda Collective. The collective part being because we wanted to build a collective of female founders that yeah, we could then that. kind of bring together who help each other out. We will plan to set some events up, but COVID, we haven't yeah. actually done that yet. But that that's the plan to create something where female founders can be there for each other as well. Yeah, I love that. I think I can see how that would suddenly change accounting to be really like motivating to work on, you know. How did this go running the accounting firm with, with Abby? And um, how did you end up in Bali? Yeah. Um, so, yeah, we, we set up in November 2020. Yeah, I think that's about right. And we just kind of at that point were thinking 
what what you do to run an accounting firm like what do we have to have in place like there's a lot of regulation around it so there was a lot of reading working out like what processes we need to be in, put in place before we could even take on clients and then over time we just slowly started doing a few friends we knew like a few self-assessments a few companies um and then we i think we we built our own website during covid like we spent hours on zoom building a website every evening so there's nothing else to do and it was okay because neither of us are like that good at that sort of stuff and then that brought in a few clients um and then eventually we did actually pay someone to um build a website for us and um that kind of he, he worked on seo and things and like that really helped to bring people in really so our clients just we still had word of mouth, but our clients just started to kind of grow and come through the website naturally. And then I think at that point we realized this is actually something we can we can make into a business full time now that like our growth of clients is, is up there. Both of us have always wanted to travel. We traveled, I traveled like every summer from leave, like leaving college through to traveling for six months. And then um so the, the plan was always because we wanted to live abroad. Um Bali was I've been to Bali a few times and I loved it it kind of ended up being Bali just because it was the only place at the time we could actually get into <laughs> Classic. but um I'm not sure where else I would have gone if it hadn't been here like Australia is definitely still a place I probably want to go to and, and test out living I do like it there but Bali's cheap whilst you're running well, cheap-ish whilst you're trying to set up a new business and you're taking the pay cut um I think that the vibes of the people here you won't know that till you come here but everyone's very like-minded there's a lot of entrepreneurs and like nomads living here doing similar things to what we were so it seemed like a good good people to be surrounded by i think the the biggest risk that we had to take coming to bali was um well i actually i had to ask one of the studios that i worked for whether they were happy for me to leave in-person teaching and teach fully online i was lucky enough that they were happy for me to stay on just teaching online um and obviously had to leave my job and Abby managed to keep one of her jobs on because she is very good at what she does so her, her company didn't lose her um keep that on online as well because it's a physical accounting firm in Farnborough where we live and um, so I think uh, we had to take a risk we probably weren't quite ready we weren't earning that much money but at some point you you do have to just tip over the edge mm -hmm. take the risk and go like we had enough to live in Bali for a few months if it all failed and we had to go home Mm -hmm. how do you feel now like after all those decisions like you've got a business that's supporting you you get to do your fitness on the side as well like how, when, when you look back to those things that we were talking about at the start of like feeling trapped and things like that how do you feel now I definitely no longer feel trapped <laughs> and there's always going to be points uh in running your own business that are going to be slightly stressful and slightly hard so I won't lie in that I don't sometimes get stressed and anxious but it's all the excitingness of running a business that comes with that as well. Um, I think the, the best way to explain it is Sunday nights. I don't get the Sunday scaries. Like I never, even if I know, like we've just been through January and it was a really, really busy month. And we had a lot of work to do. But on Sunday, I wasn't dreading work on Monday because I knew I could get up when I needed to. Because if you're working late, sometimes you don't want to have to get up as early as, as I always would like to. Um, I could go to the gym, have my moment, come back. And then you know work at home for a few hours and then pop and eat lunch in a cafe and work there for a few hours come home and teach like it's the freedom of being able to do what you want when you want as long as you get everything that you need to do done yeah. um but yes yeah, so that like sunday scariest feeling is completely gone and i think um yeah it's just the ability as well i'm not going to work tomorrow okay cool i might have to work saturday instead but you know i want to do something tomorrow and, and that's going to work for me so I think that ability to choose and you don't get that at work yeah. in a corporation, you don't get choice. I honestly think that's the biggest thing, just having that control over your schedule and okay, say you're starting a business and you really do need to work like a crazy person, but you are deciding when to work, where to work, all of these things really takes away a lot of the anxiety, a lot of the the trapped feelings it's just it's literally that different i think sometimes yeah and i work late some nights especially so i live in bali and the time difference to some clients so i have to have some calls at 9 p.m but then i'll go for a walk on the beach at sunset instead because like, i can go out at five and not trapped in the office um and i think so just the realization that running your own business 
will mean you have to work weekends and evenings, but you get that time back in in being able to choose what you do 100% of the time. Yeah, exactly. Because I think one of the biggest, biggest fears and challenges for people that are thinking about transitioning into something else is money. And like, how am I going to support myself? At what point do I know that I can quit my job? Like, it's when you're really unhappy, it's just so helpful to almost have a goal in mind of like whether it's income or whether it's dates or something else like of when that magical day it can come that you quit and there's so many ways of doing it um so what what did you do but then also as an accountant and seeing all these different business types and all these different entrepreneurs like what other models and suggestions would you have for someone thinking about that yeah um I firstly as well, I think it's very hard nowadays because there's a lot of people on Instagram and social media saying, just quit your job now. And like you're not, you're almost like not doing yourself justice if you don't quit now and just take the risk. And I think they're not necessarily giving you the right um motivation and marketing. So just yeah, I just wanted to highlight that. Um, how I did it. So yes, I'm I'm fairly sensible with money. And um I was living in London, so when I first Kind of transition to part-time etc i needed to be able to pay my rent so i didn't have a choice i had to have a certain amount of money to keep me afloat um so that was why i went from full-time to part-time whilst i was building up money coming in on the fitness side because because it takes time for uh studios to trust you to take on more classes to make sure clients like you um so yeah i chose the slow transition i guess you would say um so that i got to a point where I could leave my part-time job at PwC because I was earning enough from mm. uh, my fitness instructing. Um, and at that point, even until like uh, mid-2021 probably, we took no money out of the accounting first. That was just like a building up on the side. Um, so I think option one is getting to a point where you have something else um, that you can earn enough money from. So hopefully this is what you want to move into out of your corporate job and into something else. So you have enough money um, and that might mean you have to move home and live with your parents mm. or, you know, live somewhere that's not as nice as what you'd hope. But you've got to be willing to take those things to be able to kind of take the next step. It's like take one step forward and then you move two steps, take one step back, two steps forward. <laughs> um, so that's one option and that's the option I took. I think that the second option or one of the other options is you know you want to do something, but you like part-time maybe isn't an option. You just don't have enough hours in the day. It's then saying, okay, how much money do I need to live off for three months, six months? I don't think you need any more than six months, max max a year worth of savings. But that that's going to be quite hard to keep uh, to save. So I think three to six months, and then you just leave your job, which is obviously scary. Um, and then you know, for the next three six months, you are spending all of your time building something you want to do, um, and you have enough money to live off. It, I think it doesn't, I guess the scary thing is what if I don't build it in that six months? Like what if that doesn't happen? At that point, like, you know, closer to that time, say you five months in, if that's the case, you might have to go and get another job. It might be like a an easier job in retail or something that you can do alongside, but you have options. And if you don't take that risk, um, then you would never know if that business is going to work. I think you could also do like a hybrid between the two. So you might work like you might have a smaller transition period um, and save like for only a few months. Um, one thing though, I think is important if you're going to do the one that's like, uh, I'm going to save enough and just quit is at least try doing something within the field you want to move into, whether it's like an online course that you do a couple of hours a week or whether it's like just going and seeing what other people do that are in that job role. Um, I think like having a network of people that are already there, how they got there is really helpful. Like I joined a lot of Facebook groups. I, I like, I still pay now actually to a like group of women who are all within the wellbeing space. Now those of them have become my clients. So it was a great mm-hmm. space for us to be in. But surround yourself with people who are going through the same journey and who are, have already been on that journey. Um, just so that you can get their experiences as well, because um, I think that was really important. Yeah, um, yeah I think. Yeah, I really like two. that, and I think I want to go back to ego again. Yeah, because I think this is the biggest thing holding 
like and I think it's a unique problem to the women who are in these very well-paid jobs they've always got the best grades that we've been put on a pedestal quite rightly you know because yeah. we're smart <laughs> but we've been put on this pedestal to say this is what we're worth this is you know like we've been pushed there because because especially the world those industries are still very masculine so it's like wow yes come on you can do it and like we did so it can be really hard to like accept anything other than that and I think that there's a big thing here with um, getting a different job that's completely different. And I think it's, it's trying to get rid of that, like um, having your identity be this corporate job or this title and thinking, OK, so if I want to have a business now, then I really need space like in my mind, space everywhere. A lot of these jobs, like the one you had, the one I had, just take up. They're so pressurizing. They just take up all the energy that you have so it's actually really hard to start a business on the side sometimes with that job so sometimes it could be worth like just going and getting an entry-level job in marketing or something which will even though you'll be at the bottom as long as it covers the costs of what you need to live but you will learn these incredible skills that you will need in your business yeah that's true banking is not going to teach us marketing we're not in our jobs anyway because like we're on the numbers side but I, I I really think it's like, but we when we're stuck in those corporate jobs, you're so narrow-minded in the sense that like I couldn't get a marketing job. That's not what I've done, or yeah. anything like that. You know, I think also around the ego side, friends and family come into this, right? Yes. So like you you alone are like okay, like I've got this really good job and I've been put on a pedestal and. Um, that's how people identify with me, right? As you said, and you know, I go to my parents and I'm like, "Cool, I'm going to leave this really good job because I want to be a fitness instructor or I want to try to do something." Now, I don't think family and friends will ever stop you, but I think even just your thoughts of their opinions of you changing, like, yeah. are they now going to think I'm worthless? Are they now going to think I'm not good enough yeah. to have made it in this job as well? Because that definitely went through my mind of like, can I just not cut it? Like, because it's almost. The signing the shiny new star to reach for a corporate job so like am i the one who's like am i failing here mm. um and i think that those sorts of things don't be blindsided by people's uh, opinions and thoughts of you because if you're not happy with you then like you're never gonna get happy it's right? so true um, but that will be tough that's always gonna be it's so true and i think it's a big part of like this I want to prove to everybody that I can do it because I'm yeah. a minority, like as in women in, in finance, I'm a minority. And until I prove to everyone, it always becomes another thing. It's like getting the grade, getting the job, getting the next promotion. In banking, it was like to prove myself, I become a managing director because that's the highest. So for you, it's probably partner. Yeah. And it's like at some point you have to stop and say, who am I trying to prove this to? Because I don't want to do it. Yeah, why am I trying to <laughs> say something that I don't want Yeah, to do? so it's like at some point, like it needs to be the motivation needs to come from within you about what you want to do. Because if constantly you're just trying to prove to everybody else, like you become, a, I don't know, like a 40-year-old managing director and then you're like, oh, what, am I happy? Yeah, what happened <laughs> to my life? Yeah. Yeah, you just become like a robot in the cog of the corporate world. Yeah, um, exactly. And, and and you need a lot of confidence to admit to yourself, like, like this is not for me. And, and a lot of confidence to say, I don't need to prove my, anything to anyone anymore. Because it's like almost an addiction because we've been I think it's we've learned that reward system over time being that person you know I think confidence as you said is a key thing but confidence only comes from making taking action so I think one thing just to, to highlight to anyone who is kind of in the space and wants to to move out of it but doesn't really know what to do that that point of like trying something and, and taking small daily steps towards changing even at the beginning if that's reading personal development books and even seeing what other jobs are out there if you're doing something small every day and you're consistent with it the actions that you take then start to give you confidence but if you're not taking action i don't think you can do confidence mm -hmm. yeah i like totally agree i think it's such a big it's a lot of the mindset stuff initially to be honest and also a lot of what you were saying was 
community surrounding yourself with like-minded people because you need to normalize this because not many people have the guts to do it you know find out how other people got to where they got to yeah and then like nothing's new in this world right maybe like nfts and things but <laughs> but nothing is new if someone has done it before yeah find those people talk to them pick their brains find out how they did it what they did i guess like a bit like what we're doing now but i do think that that then gives you the confidence to be like okay they did it that means i can do it and i just need to like I think just don't rush, like you can't rush these things. Mm -hmm. um, so don't think you're going to quit your job today and then be earning 50,000 tomorrow when it moves. Like that's just not realistic. And actually it's quite nice taking a back step, not having as much pressure, not yes. in that pressurized environment being like, do you know what, today I'm only going to work five hours because I don't feel like it. And, yeah. you know, I think that it was actually quite a nice break in transition at points where I didn't have as much to do and it felt a bit weird. But actually, then I have more space to think. 100%. And you know what? Having that space, there'll be a whole host of self-discovery work that you realise you need to do, I think, because when we've been on this path that's just not aligned with us, we suppress so many parts of ourselves. But that's for another episode. <laughs> yeah, um, we're still evolving. <laughs> I, think the last, I think the last question that I have, mainly on the, like, is, is on the money piece, is any tips, I think we've gone through a lot of, tips which is great for people but any tips on once they have like quit their job there's you know it's going to be up and down and there's going to be some really hard times where you're on it you you don't have as much money as in your bank like you've never been that poor I, I mean from my experience that yeah. happened to me and and we're so um, privileged going into these industries on graduation that we have massive salaries to begin with so we've never been in that situation and to a lot of people it's like oh you can easily live on that but you know if that wasn't your benchmark that can feel scary are there any kind of tools or like things that you would suggest people do over this time like to check in with their finances when when you've gone from something where your income is relatively stable you know what's coming in like what's important at this point yeah I think you need to obviously have an idea of how much your expenditure just is to survive so like if you're paying rent if you're paying a mortgage um any bills you have to pay um and if you get to a point obviously where you can't afford those and you don't have any savings like that that could be quite a tough point, place to be however I feel like if you've taken the decision to leave your job to uh, set up your own business or try something new, you innately inside of you have the ability to make that money. So like if you're, if push comes to stuff at that point, you will make money somehow. Yeah. Um, so I think like that's something not to worry too much about. And, and I'd like to think, you know, if anyone was in real financial struggles, there's people around them that can, you know, help them for a short period of time. But um, I think that's like, if worse comes to worse, I think one thing that's really good to do, and I've done some financial coaching actually around this is review all of your expenses. Like mm -hmm. sometimes we're paying for subscriptions. We forgot we were paying for and we're not using them. Um, do you really need Netflix, Amazon Prime and Disney? Like, just make sure that you, you may have to cut back on yet yeah, all the luxuries you want. You're probably going to be spending more time uh, building your business. And so you might not have as much time sitting down and watching TV or doing all the fitness apps you're paying for. So I think like a little bit of like a financial audit is, is really important um, because I still have things I'm paying for that I need to cancel, but I never make time for it. Um, so I think just being on top of your finances weekly or or monthly depending on like how many transactions your business has um it's very important we we definitely have some clients who have got themselves into some sticky situations because they just spend 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 and they don't actually know how much money is in their business um so if you're not wanting to do that yourself get an account okay <laughs> emily i'll make sure the show notes yeah. <laughs> um, but I, I, I love what you said about like, you will make it happen because I really believe that. And I have really experienced that firsthand as well. It's like, have some confidence. And I'm not saying, I'm not saying this in a braggy way, but like everybody listening to this has great jobs. They have achieved things. Like have some confidence that you are an overachiever. You're a high achiever. You make things happen. You get things done. You're not the average kind of person. So it's like, 
back yourself with that. And if you did get into a sticky situation, okay, the worst, worst case scenario is you go back to your well-paid well, yeah, you job. Your well job. <laughs> Not exactly. necessarily the same one, but you could go and get another one and you could very much spin your experience of trying to start a business favorably. Like it's, that's the risk, isn't it? So when you think about it like that, hopefully that makes it feel less of a risk. But I really do believe like if you've got yourself into that situation where you did quit your job, and you did start running out of money and you loved not doing that job anymore, you will find a way, you'll make yeah. it work. I think we're lucky in that there's a lot of things online nowadays as well. So there are lots of websites you can go on to do like projects or small jobs for people. So whatever you did in your previous job, you could probably find something online that's part-time or like gonna give, get you an injection of money at one point, like things like Fiverr and places mm. like that. You can you can put your skills online and someone will need them. Yeah. Um, so I think just thinking outside the box as well as like how you could make little bits of money whilst you're ticking along. Even if it's like, I like dogs, I could do some dog walking. Like these sorts yeah. of things that are fairly easy money you get an exercise for walking dogs. Like I think, you know, some of those things you have to have credentials for, but there are always small things you could do for enjoyment work whilst mm. you're like you could work so for me when I was younger I had a part-time job in a leisure center this was when I was at school but I, if I needed to I could go back there and do some part-time work and reception it was at a gym I wouldn't mind doing that two days a week whilst I built a business yeah. like if you need to just get yourself a less stressful job that you leave at the door yeah. and just will earn you enough money to keep going yeah totally it's, it's almost like having that abundant mindset try and see the opportunities rather than like having a lack mindset of like oh god how am I going to do this because that will stifle you and not allow you to see the opportunities as well I think yeah and you have to take ego out of it right at that point yeah. you're taking what seems to be a back step oh, I'm taking like a job that I had when I was younger but when I was younger at 16 working there I thought I was cool like, <laughs> so <laughs> what changed like why is that job yeah. no longer good yeah exactly I yeah I love this conversation I think we're kind of coming up to time I I want to thank you so much for sharing your yeah. story Emily it's super inspirational and I really hope that everybody listening it kind of like provides them with some hope now you've seen someone who's done it I'm sure there's some people <laughs> in PwC listening or in one of the big four that really relate to your experience so yeah I just want to say thank you so much for sharing with us pleasure. thank you for having me <laughs> and if anybody's listening who needs an accountant <laughs> or wants to look you up or maybe wants to have a look at your fitness stuff like where can they go and I'll make sure this is all in the show notes as yeah well. um so my Instagram is just my name Missouri. Um, and then I also have an Instagram for the accounting business, which is the Arenda Collective. We'll put the spelling in uh, <laughs> the notes. Um, and then also just the arendacollective.co.uk website. Um, you'll see all the information about us there. I also, just for people listening, I'll explain what Arenda means because I feel yeah, like um, a lot of people are like, where did you get the name from? But it, it might give you something. So Arenda means a force present in the world or in and each person to affect change on themselves or someone else. So that was kind of what we wanted to do through it as well. So just to give you some inspiration. That is beautiful and an amazing place to end this episode.